Hello and welcome to another episode of A Dash of Science. I'm your host, Chris. This week, Carrie and I will be discussing Tesla versus Einstein, other non-practical ideas of Tesla, as well as his legacy. So sit back, relax, and enjoy A Dash of Science. Hey, hey, my fellow citizen scientists, welcome back for part three of our two-part episode on Nikola Tesla. Some of you may recall I had a special announcement to say this week, but uh, you'll just have to listen all the way to the end to hear it, or fast forward or skip or something like that, I guess, is always an answer. But uh, anyways, it's pretty awesome, uh, I'll tell you that much. But first, before we get into it, I always like a little bit of news related to our show and while not a lot happens in relation to Tesla directly these days, we do have some kind of Einstein-related uh, stuff that we can talk about. But uh, So Einstein's general relativity predicted the existence of gravitational waves, a phenomenon not verified until two teams of scientists observed them in 2016. Uh, yeah, I think that sounds right. Uh, the team saw them utilizing the Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory, uh, or LIGO, as some of you may know it, uh, having caught the ripples in space-time from two black holes that had collided billions of years ago. Uh, now, that's old news, but uh, physicists want to use this information to test the limits of relativity. General relativity has passed pretty much every, well, not pretty much, it has passed every test thought of by physicists. Uh, but we still know it isn't complete. For starters, it doesn't seem to fit into the world of quantum mechanics. One of the major issues here is that all of the other forces have known particles which transport it. Photons carry the electromagnetic force, gluons carry the strong nuclear force, and the W and Z bosons carry the weak nuclear force. Uh, but the theorized graviton, uh, the supposed carrier of the gravitational force, kind of remains absent. Enter the black hole. These awesome phenomenon of our universe may provide insight into where relativity breaks down. Uh, further, these gravitational waves may help define the mass of the graviton. The problem is, is we don't even know if it has mass. If you don't detect mass, then it's massless, right? Or maybe it doesn't exist. Hard to tell. Whatever they find, any theory that comes along to replace general relativity has a high bar set before it because it has to pass every test relativity already has and unify with quantum mechanics. So to do this, cosmologists are trying to find a way to change the theory of gravity at large distances, while string theorists are trying to do so on the quantum level, and hopefully they'll find a way to bridge the gap. Now, let's hear more about the eccentric Nikola Tesla. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our third part of our two-part episode, the third half. Third half's always the best half, I say. It is the best half. Yeah, that's Carrie with me again. Uh, how are you doing today, Carrie? I think I'm doing well. You ready to uh, get to the bottom of this Tesla thing that we're doing here? I am ready to get down in my Tesla. <laughs> All right. Well, when we left off, we were talking about Tesla versus Einstein. You remember that? Booyah. Booyah. So, AC power and the wireless transmissions weren't everything that he spent his time on. Uh, he was very interested in matter and energy, and supposedly even created something he called the dynamic theory of gravity, 
which no one can actually find any information on or proof that uh, existed in any way. So he said he did it, but there's no proof? Yes. So this is when he was uh, pretty old, up in his you know late 70s, sitting around in his two-suite uh, bedroom in the New Yorker in Manhattan, you know, just kind of doing his thing, eating the Nabisco crackers and drinking his milk. <laughs> Getting in the mini bar. Yeah. It's actually probably, now I think about it, I think it's like early 70s is, uh, is when this was, but... The early 70s and we didn't no, no, have No, 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 no. He was in his early 70s. Oh, I was going to say, that was in the early 70s? Holy crap. No, no he did not live to 1970s. <laughs> yeah, we knew about gravity in 1970. Uh, well, we knew about gravity uh, when he was talking about it, because Einstein was alive, hence versus Einstein. <laughs> I realize. <laughs> so, uh, apparently, he did not think that Albert Einstein, who was 23 years younger than him was right with his theory of relativity so uh, he constantly attacked Einstein and ridiculed his work and the ideas that energy could be obtained from matter uh, and basically the whole entire concept of general relativity and special relativity just he thought it was BS this sounds awfully familiar doesn't it it's weird sounds like he was on the other end of this uh relationship before yeah he's like listen here you young whippersnapper i don't care about your ac power or i mean your relativity (laughs) ac power it must be an age thing right i mean yeah i guess when you get old enough you just don't care anymore i guess but uh so i'm actually really surprised you didn't ask me about general relativity or special relativity uh you ready to explain what those are oh yeah i'm totally on this and go uh special relativity is like relativity only special you know what's really funny about that? What? Because of the way that they're named, people think that general relativity was a thing, and then they're like, oh, yeah, and then also there's special relativity, right? Mm-hmm. Special relativity actually was first. So they just wanted to give it a sparkling name? Uh, yeah, I guess. So basically, special relativity is just uh, that the laws of physics are kind of the same within inertial frames, uh, if you're familiar with inertial frame. Nope. So inertial frame and inertial frames. Uh, so everything in the universe is moving. Everything. Okay. Uh, nothing is staying still. So it makes it very, very hard to talk about anything uh, as far as speed or location if nothing, you have no reference point, right? So what an inter- uh, inertial frame is essentially is saying, so uh, we're on Earth. Okay. Oh, yeah. Moon, moon is going around the Earth. Okay. So in that inertial frame, we pretend that the Earth is not moving, and then we look at the speed and movement of the moon in relation to the still Earth, right? Okay. But Earth isn't actually still. It's revolving around the sun. Fact. So when we're talking about the Earth-Moon system, we pretend that the sun isn't moving, and we take the relative speed and direction, etc., of the Earth-Moon system. That's how everything works. So if you take any inertial frame where you're taking some body and you're setting it still, not moving, and you're taking the relative speed of something else, that's an inertial frame. Physics works no matter which way you look at it. That's all special relativity is really saying. Okay. It's kind of an interesting thought experiment in basic physics if you think about you're floating in space nowhere near any objects you're not near any planets nothing you're just out there in a space suit just floating right that sounds terrible it, it sounds horrible and you look over and you see something coming at you and it's getting closer and closer and oh my closer. god is it a shark is it a, it space is a shark? shark it is a space shark how'd you know i was going there oh, i'm so good there's at a this. space shark uh and it's a space shark so it doesn't need a suit 
and it's coming at you, but it's on a different trajectory, lucky you. It's not going to get you. And it passes by you, and it just keeps going. Did I give it the finger? Probably. It sounds like something you would do. All right, dirty So answer me this. Which one was moving? Both of us. Well, how do you know? Because we're both in space. That doesn't make you move. <laughs> you said everything in space is moving. Uh, but but uh, you as that observer, how do you know? Are you just floating there still? Because if you recall, you can't feel uh, velocity, right? You feel acceleration, the change of velocity. They talked about if you were going up or down in an elevator and it was going the exact same speed, it wasn't like, you know, speeding up, you wouldn't know. So you don't know if you're moving if you're not accelerating. So for all intents and purposes, you have nothing around you to reference. So look, for all you know, you're just sitting there still. And that shark is cruising by you and it passes you. But from the shark's perspective, he's just kind of sitting there not doing nothing and lunch is coming directly at him. And then it misses. And then it goes on by. So either way, that's kind of the cool thought experiment to explain it. Uh, Is this similar to when you're standing on a train and another train drives by, you can't tell if they're moving or you're moving? Yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing. So when you're doing a physics problem with that, you can do, uh, you can pretend that, so let's say really basic math here. Uh, I'm not even going to use units. Train A is coming at you at 10, right? Okay. And you're going at train B at five okay Okay. so you can pretend you're on train a and you're not moving in which case you're going this direction and that other train is coming at you that makes sense all right i'm tracking so or you could go the other way and it looks like the other train if you're sitting still is coming 15 at you because you add those speeds together makes sense Uh or you can take a third reference point on neither train right next to them and watch them going at each other then you can see both of them are going at each other obviously all right so yeah, same kind of idea. That's just selecting where your inertial frame is. So yeah, special relativity is just saying no matter how you set that up, physics will always work the same. All right, cool. All right. General relativity is not that simple. Oh boy. <laughs> is there a space shark? Uh, there I mean, there's probably a space I can't prove there's not a space shark, but you know, take for that whatever you will. <laughs> uh so General relativity is just uh, a description of gravity as part of kind of the geometry of space. So when they say space time is like one thing, you're looking at me blankly. You've heard that, right? You've heard, yeah, I've heard okay. of. I'm just trying to follow. All right. So. so it's just it's just that idea, and that matter inside of that causes that space to curve. Essentially, it's that whole mindset of of time and space are one thing, grid and uh, gravity is the result of mass bending that time space. Is this what you see when you have the grid and there's the pulled out? Yes. Okay. So okay. that I'm what tracking. is that? Re- that grid is, represent- is representing space time. That ball is usually like a planet or some form of mass, and that dip is how it's affecting it. It's curving it, and gravity is the effect of that curve. Okay. Cool. So I'm that's, tracking. That's pretty much all it is. Also talks about why if you're farther away from a gravity source uh, or Rather, if you're closer to a gravity source, you will age slower, time moves slower. whole bunch of crazy stuff like that. Time dilation, uh, another show. All right. <laughs> so all that's right. that's uh, general relativity, that's special relativity. So you can imagine in, you know, the 1930s-ish when this was. Jesus that's Christ, a my crazy. That's like the year my grandma was born. Really? Yeah, that's <laughs> grandma crazy. Grandma was born in the year of relativity. <laughs> yeah, she was born in 33, close enough. But, but. you can imagine at that time trying to understand i mean we're at a time frame where we're just barely getting past the idea of ether this magical stuff that exists in space 
that light travels through because understanding the concept of nothingness just blew people's mind. And here comes Einstein with this stuff. It took him a really long time to actually convince people that this was, you know, true. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't sound completely Looney Tunes. So. Well, you also are alive in 2018 and you've been living in a world that uses things that are based off of relativity working, right? If relativity didn't work, we wouldn't have uh, GPS the way that we do and that kind of stuff. So even if you don't understand these things, you're still living in a world that has been shaped by these things. Yeah. And so, what well, we learn about it in school, exactly. like everybody learns at least the basics about it. Yep. As I you know not a math person i remember these things vaguely from school that's how i remembered the dippy thing exactly so basically the whole e equals mc squared thing and reconciling the laws of classical mechanics with electromagnetic fields uh which is the basis of today's everything tesla's like wrong <laughs> yep. everything you just said went right over my head <laughs> except basically, for tesla <laughs> basically everything that einstein said all of that stuff that all of our society is using technology based off of tesla's just like wrong 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 hmm. wrong 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 <laughs> <laughs> so all the way up to the age of 82 he fought against it uh in his lonely little hotel room uh, describing einstein's work as magnificent mathematical garb which fascinates dazzles and makes people blind to the underlying errors <laughs> sounds like uh tesla That's tesla wrote really well like some of these uh biographies that i was reading that would have like quotes from him he's very articulate and i guess well written he writes classy if you could also say that when you're writing like an asshole, <laughs> you're classy because he said some mean things too, but it was classy. It was written classy. I don't know. Maybe just old timey talk sounds classy to me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so this is where he made the claim of a dynamic theory of gravity, uh, which I said he failed to elaborate on, and that there's no energy in matter other than that received from the environment. Uh, and this is that so-called magical ether idea okay. uh, that was popular pre-relativity. But at this point, there had been a lot of experiments showing that that is just not the case, right? So, okay. yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's alone in his in his tower and didn't see those. <laughs> well, you know, he's doing the hermit. Yeah, I guess. But anyways, uh, I don't know what he was thinking. He's just bored, right? You're old and bored. You get cranky and you don't really care anymore and you don't want to do the math. Yeah. And... But I mean, on top of this, he also claimed to have discovered uh, Tesla waves. What the hell is a Tesla yeah, wave? I don't know. But other than then, uh, it was kind of a requirement for it was kind of a requirement for his world wireless system. Uh, There's these magic, I will call them, <laughs> for lack of a better word, uh, waves that essentially would have to move faster than light and we know i mean even non-physicists know moving faster than light is a big no-no that's not a thing mm -hmm. the speed of light is a, is a stop sign you don't go faster than that it's a speed limit right okay I'm uh, sidebar there is some ideas that say that uh potentially the speed of light isn't so much a speed limit as it is a barrier so you can go up towards the speed of light but you can't pass it but from the other side, there are things that could be traveling faster than light that can't slow down below that speed limit. And that's where the idea of tachyons come from, which is a, a theoretical, pretty much non-existent thing. I, I say non-existent in that nobody's ever found any evidence that such a thing existed. 
um, why we're sidebarring. I think I know where these Tesla waves are. I think they're in space, and that's what the shark is in. <laughs> yes, he's swimming in the Tesla waves. That could yes. be. <laughs> but yeah, so essentially, these are just, they have theoretical infinite speed, and that's what he was basing his world wireless system on, transferring this power across the globe, so to speak. So, side question, well, mm. while we're citing. Um, Were you going to ask it? I was going to ask it, and then it disappeared, and you just need a second to collect my thoughts. Just like Tesla's papers. What did you say that I had a question about? Was it Tesla waves? No. Was it Space Shark? <laughs> it wasn't Space Shark. <laughs> Crap. Um, yeah, I can't help you there. We'll move on, and then if okay. you come up with it, you All can right. ask me again. So, yeah, Tesla waves. Anyways, uh, so... No! Is going faster than light going to allow us to do space travel, like Star Trek style? Like, is that like... Well, yeah, there... What, like, warp speed and all that exactly stuff? That's exactly what warp speed is. You know, there's a whole big thing. I want to do an episode later on Star Trek physics, but uh, the original series of Star Trek didn't really have any defined definition of what warp was, and they tried mm -hmm. to fix that later. Essentially, impulse is below speed of light and warp is factors of i think 10 above the speed of light so warp one would be speed of light warp two would be 10 times the speed of light or something like that i would have to look look that back up but anyways, but in, yes. in that would be like a real life right okay. so there are some research uh dr white in nasa's well what is it called falcon no, some weird lab like that. Falcon Lab. I don't know. <laughs> it's a pro it's a propulsion experimental lab. I'm pretty sure they're contractors working on something, getting grant money from NASA is what it is. But he's working on a warp drive system that works by bending space and light uh, in front of you and behind you so that, to blow your mind, you're not actually moving. You're moving space around you, and that what's, that's what allows them to travel faster than light. That's uh, because cool. they aren't actually traveling faster than light they're staying still but that's a that's a way out there probably probably a lot of research i would have to do to understand that enough in a way to communicate it to people who don't have advanced degrees in physics <laughs> isn't there also a warp uh theory where you make like a shell around that's the exactly ship? what i was talking about that's uh, that's the yeah, same thing okay that's the same thing so I'm glad that we got your question out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I call this section uh, Taking on Einstein, right? Take uh, you. But I'm going to admit that that might have been kind of a little sensationalism, uh, mostly because in order to have like a fight between two people, one of those people or both of those people should know they're fighting, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Einstein uh, didn't pay much attention to Tesla and he was, or he was the world's most epic troll. That's a possibility too. So for Tesla's 75th birthday, uh, when he's still locked up in his room, kind of fading from memory, one of his friends thought it'd be really cool to solicit the world's famous engineers and scientists from all over the place uh, and to have them send him a lever, a uh, lever, have them. Yes. One lever, a lever from everywhere in the world, <laughs> just hanging on the wall no. <laughs> to send him a letter and, you know, just kind of say hi, you know, and, 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 you know, basically gush over him essentially. Right. Like what's up handsome. Right. So this was of course, after all the stuff that, uh, Tesla has been saying about Einstein and his fights, this, that, whatever. But, uh, so they all wrote back with admiration and congratulations for his contributions. Uh, and Einstein wrote one too. Hold on. Uh, and he said, congratulations on your contributions to high frequency currents. That's it. Like, 
if you recall this, you know, three-part show we've gone through all of the major contributions that Tesla has made through multiple different fields. Einstein either doesn't remember them, didn't know about them, or didn't care about them. He's just like, yeah, congratulations on high-frequency current. Nah. <laughs> maybe he's just not a gushy person. He could be, you know, and maybe we'll talk about Einstein in the future. Uh, Einstein's another big uh, contributor to society and engineering and physics, obviously. Maybe and we can have four parts for two shows. <laughs> no, Einstein's his own thing. The good thing for Tesla is that year he was on Time Magazine's cover as one of the most influential people, so that was cool. But of course, on the other side, Einstein actually won a Nobel Prize. So Yeah, uh, <laughs> there you go. Not that Tesla didn't deserve one, but, you know, or should have had one for his radio. Whatever. Did he get, like, sexiest scientist in the world? Is that what he was on time for? Probably. That's probably what it is. World's sexiest uh, electrician. Yes. <laughs> AC makes but, me hot. Yeah. So that's, that's the... Uh, <laughs> That's the big Tesla versus Einstein uh, simmer. Debacle. That's a really strong (laughs) word for what just happened. Hello, all you curious creatures out there. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we are the hosts of Into the Portal. If you like myths, legends, history with a paranormal twist, join us every week as we explore lesser-known mysteries of our world and beyond. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and all other major podcast platforms, and at intotheportal.com, your gateway to the bizarre. The only question is, do you dare peer into the portal? If you like classic movies, modern movies, or even indie films, make sure you check out the St. Paul Filmcast with Nick and Dan. Available everywhere you get your podcasts. Aside from spending his later years fighting a one-sided war against Einstein, uh, he spent his time considering other fundamentals too. So, for one, he didn't think turbines needed to have propeller-style blades uh, to catch air or water, so he experimented with several different bladeless designs. So, And this is kind of interesting because even now we're still kind of, I mean, most of the turbines you see, I mean, we've got a whole bunch over here, there's like 500, they look like giant fans, right? They all yeah. have those giant propellers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, the basic design that he kind of demonstrated in the early 1900s worked on the principle of boundary layer flow. Do you know what that is? I have no idea what that is. <laughs> so boundary layer flow is kind of this idea. So for the purposes of physics, we consider gases fluids. Okay. So okay. when I say fluid dynamics, that means it could be water or it could be air. So when you're dealing with fluid mechanics, uh, when you rub your hands together, you rub your hands together, you feel that, that how it, you know, the friction, right? Mm-hmm. Well, friction exists when air goes across your hand too, but your air particles aren't connected to each other. So when you're pushing on your hand and your hand goes slower because of that friction, well, the air on that boundary is also affected that way from this, the skin friction, essentially. Uh, so okay. that air is going much, much slower than the air above it. And this is like microscopic right okay but what happens is you get uh you get essentially this flow that's different from the rest of everywhere else and at the leading edge say like the leading edge of an airplane uh airfoil like a wing uh it's 
starts off at the beginning of what's called laminar flow. So if you run like the water really slowly and it, and it comes down in a stream, but it's mm -hmm. nice and clear, that's a laminar flow. When you pop that up and it gets really kind of chaotic and it looks white and all those air bubbles, that's turbulent flow. Okay. So the farther you get from that leading edge, uh, the more turbulent that flow becomes until it starts to separate. So that's kind of the idea of, uh, of boundary layer. So what this is taking the principle of that friction that occurs at that boundary layer, right? Okay. Uh, his design utilizes disks, and the boundary flow uh, would kind of stick and cause a vortex, and that would spin towards the center of the disk, causing the turbine to spin. That's interesting. So instead of having those giant uh, propeller blades on there. But uh, the propeller blades are cooler. They, they are cooler looking. But uh, so this design gave a larger kind of power to size ratio, if that makes sense. Okay. So you could get much more power out of a much smaller object which is always a good thing in pretty much everything you're dealing with oh yeah it would be kind of nice to not see the giant uh, right. fans on the side so, of so uh and the other good thing about that like especially a place like this is the no blades also meant it could kind of stand significantly more pressure so if you don't know this with wind turbines they have a top uh wind speed essentially that they can uh, function, at. function at and if it goes faster than that you actually have to shut the, it down and tie down the propellers uh, for all sorts of different mechanical reasons so oh, this you don't you have a much higher uh, basically speed that you speed. can go at you don't have as much stuff because then you're just worried about the turbine spinning and not the propellers that's but. interesting especially since we live out in the most windiest place we've ever lived <laughs> yeah. they must tie those down all the time yep so that was his bladeless turbine so that's just another thing he was just tossing around that and he kind of envisioned these to be used more like in the inside of like water pipes and stuff like that that makes but, sense uh yeah so he did a lot of stuff with water not so much with air we're seeing a lot of windless turbines come in air and there's kind of going back and forth on whether or not they're actually as as efficient or as good as as they once thought so i mean it's 2018 we're near we're a century later and we're still still we're still <laughs> dealing with these things right so yeah that's really interesting yeah there's also a whole bunch of other stuff like amongst everything else Te tesla was like an idea man so he had a lot of random non-practical ideas that he would just think about ruminate on write out didn't actually necessarily build but uh, one of my favorite was the intercontinental mail tube. So he wanted to connect a tube between Europe and the United States uh, to send mail. That was his purpose. That's a hell of so, a tube. Yeah, it was just going to be a, a tube underwater, pressurized with water, and you'd get a little ball, and you put your mail in it, and you'd pressurize, and you'd shoot it across the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> well, that's cool. We can't send packages like that, though. Uh, it depends on how big your tube is, right? I guess, but I can't imagine putting it too big enough to send, like giant amazon boxes in oh yeah absolutely you get a nice 10 foot diameter tube you just pump up that that pressure and just shoot it across <laughs> well if you're gonna be shooting it across you might as well get the biggest tube you can right well you know obviously this wasn't a reasonable idea because we don't use them so after that i think my next favorite one was the ring around the earth now some of you might be familiar with Dyson spheres and that kind of stuff. This is not that. You know what Dyson sphere is? <laughs> no. Okay. Dyson, Dyson sphere is essentially the idea of building this giant structure around the earth that's transparent from our direction looking out, but from the other direction can take in the sun like solar panels sort of take that energy and shoot it down to earth. It'd be unlimited free energy. Well, unlimited as far as as long as the sun lasts. But I don't know why, but that sounds like a bad idea. Well, uh... 
the sheer amount of material that it would take alone would be, you know, you'd almost have to have free energy to begin with to build that kind of thing. Yeah, but we might run out of parts. Yeah, it's considered an advanced civilization thing uh, and also very science fiction-y. But yeah. this is not that. So what he wanted to do, just because he wanted to think about it and do the calculations for it and for no other reason, oh, uh, what a nerd. he wanted to use scaffolding to build it around the equator. So you build up a bunch of scaffolding and you build this giant ring in the air around the equator, miles above the surface, uh, and when it's complete, you remove the scaffolding and it would just kind of hover in space because the gravity from one side of the earth would, you know, bounce mm-hmm. from the other. I don't know if there's some sort of slippage, you know, yeah, God <laughs> on either end, but whatever. Uh, but he imagined that it would hover there and it would rotate at the same speed as the earth because, you know, inertia. And... Uh, just kind of at the end of this ridiculous idea, he tapped on this, you know, oh, well, my reason for this, my my logical, you know, functional thing is we could use this for uh, rapid transport. You could stop the spinning slowly and then get on and then let the earth move underneath at a thousand miles per hour and then, you know, start it rotating again to get off. Um, all right. Sure. So, yeah. Uh, that sounds really easy. Obviously, we don't have that either. Uh, like just getting up like the time it would take to go up there and then back down would that like defeat the purpose of the quicker travel don't naysay tesla sorry tesla is all (laughs) no i mean there's obviously a lot of issues with that idea so but it was just interesting that he just came up with it to do the calculations and then kind of tried to justify it at the end with some ridiculous uh, idea of functionality. At least uh, he didn't turn it into like an amusement park or a zoo right. or something. I think what actually was going on is with the rotation and all that stuff, I think he was using it to kind of help him get in the mindset of figuring out his rotating magnetic field calculations and that stuff. But who knows? Crazy. Uh, so another thing he came up with was flying machines. Yeah. I mean, not like Da Vinci came up with flying machines because at this point the Wright brothers had actually just flown their biplane. So we're not talking like regular biplane airplanes, which were all the rage in 1903. But uh, Tesla always thought that everyone else's ideas were inferior and dumb. And so he had to figure out a way to make it better and improved, right? (laughs) Uh, That's not a quote. I don't know if he really felt that way, but it kind of seems that way sometimes, doesn't it? It does. But uh, so he wanted to invent what he called the helicopter plane. What? It is essentially a plane that takes off and lands vertically uh, with the propeller's straight up and then everything but the seat would rotate forward once you got to the altitude and then you would start flying so sounds crazy it does doesn't it would you be surprised to know that we have these planes these things exist really how long did it take for us to develop these nasa uh some actual center that exists that i may or may not work at down here down the road over here uh, they did some testing on what they called what is it the Bell the Bell EV15 I think it was uh, in the late 70s early 80s crazy uh, and of course uh, there was the V22 Osprey which was a military plane and the CL841 uh, all work off this basic principle and actually exist now the Bell EV15 I think they had limited usage 
but the Osprey and the uh, and the other vehicle, I mean, they're actually they're still in existence. You can see them, giant propellers. That the difference here is the propellers are the only things that rotate. So they'll take off like a helicopter, and they'll slowly start to tilt and gain speed until they get enough speed, and then eventually they'll be going full speed forward with the propellers facing the front of the plane instead of up. You know what? I have to say that uh, I feel like anything built in the 80s is going to be janky. I don't know why. I you know, just... it's interesting that you say that because there's a lot of good cars and houses built in the 80s that are still around while newer ones fall apart. That's so, a fact. Who knows? I think it's because we took that change. I mean, we've got a lot of amazing new materials now, but not all of them you should build cars out of, I think. So. That's yeah, <laughs> probably true. Uh, so... Also, this kind of helicopter plane that he is designing was the very first attempt to use a turbine engine in an aircraft. So that that's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, so uh, another thing that he came up with is something that he called shadow graphs. And this is probably shadow one of my favorite stories because... So if you were to guess what a shadow graph is, what do you think it would be? A monster. What is your second guess? A shadow graph. A shadow graph yeah i don't know like taking parts of my shadow and putting them on other parts of my body like a graft like a skin graft only a shadow graft well you're thinking like tesla that is definitely something weird that tesla come up with <laughs> like his projecting his brain image on the wall but no that is not accurate <laughs> so tesla had experimented with x-rays uh-oh uh Talking about visible black light and a special type of radiation, he called them shadowgraphs. Basically, invented x-rays, right? Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Or x-ray machines, not x-rays. Discovered x-rays, invented the the x-ray ability to do things, right? He discovered x-rays? I thought that was somebody else. It is. It is. The guy that put the thing in the drawer and it developed... Isn't that the story of how they discovered yep. x-rays? You know what Tesla is not famous for? Discovering x-rays. Well, that's right. And what is he really good at not doing? Um, patenting things. <laughs> or talking about it or showing anybody half the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, this is why it's kind of funny because this was about the same time. Uh, that guy, he's a German physicist. Uh, Ron, I didn't write it down. You're going to say it wrong anyway. Yeah, that's true. Like Rottengen. Ron Jigglegistring. Ron Rottengen, something. Yeah, I should have wrote that down. Anyways, German physicist. Uh, so this was another bit of research that was halted by that fire that destroyed his lab. Mm -hmm. So he kind of had to build back up to it, and it wasn't his main focus at the time. So it took a while to get back to it. But uh, if that had not occurred, I really think that Tesla definitely would have uh, finished up and demonstrated long before the German physicist did. But uh, actually, in fact, when that guy announced his discovery of x-rays, like, haha, I've discovered x-rays, Tesla was like, oh, yeah, check this out, and sent him pictures he had already taken <laughs> of his shadow graphs. That's and the guy was like, this is really cool. How did you do this? <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah, so, uh, and then x-rays became, like, 
all the rage at the time. No one had any concept of safety issues, which is kind of why this is one of my favorite stories. It's funny in hindsight if you pretend that these aren't real people who lived and had these <laughs> things happen to them. Uh, but uh, they were basically just blasting themselves and each other left and right. Like think of like a sorority house, like with a with like beer cans shaking them up and just spray them at each other. Like this is what they're doing with X-rays. They're shooting everybody. Edison even shot himself in the eye and almost lost his eyesight uh after that he's like nope don't even talk to me about those things i'm scared of them but uh (laughs) (laughs) but his assistant clarence daly uh who he also shot a bunch of time with x-rays died of injuries related to radiation and symptoms that were awful lot like radiation poisoning which is really hard to get with x-rays right like you you can't like hundreds yeah you can't just go get x-rays and feel like not even close like not even headaches like so this was high high doses of x-ray radiation that he was given but uh and then even tesla kind of uh suffered a few of these issues that we kind of recognize as radiation related stuff but uh luckily he was drawn to other things and didn't just zap himself you know and maybe this is why he kind of had all those strange ideas when he was older because (laughs) because the ideas get stranger but so, so he x-rayed himself into ridiculousness. Oh, yeah, all over the place. Uh, uh, so another thing that he doesn't have credit for that he dealt with was radar. So Tesla, uh, having used stationary waves or standing waves for a number of years, uh, apparently wanted to help out his home country at the beginning of World War I uh, and began kind of experimenting with the idea of using them to locate the relative position and course of moving objects but he was dealing specifically in water for use against the german u-boats and so his work kind of laid down the fundamentals that would eventually be used in actual radar technology during world war ii uh, against the german airplanes it's it's sonar if it's in a boat we'll get to that okay so radar turned out to be impractical for underwater and the military started using sonar which is audio waves works much better underwater yeah i can see why that would work better so uh biographer o'neill uh was one of the big uh, biographers who did research on tesla stated that in addition to what we celebrate tesla for he deserves credit uh, at least partially for the discovery of cosmic rays uh artificial radioactivity uh disintegrating mean of electrified particles such as like an atom smasher uh the electron microscope and x-rays that's crazy yeah i mean this that's a significant amount of research lost in his fire and things we know that he had a hand in that he doesn't get credit for right like lots of things that we know he later we found out he really did we found proof of this so and his tendency to not think about kind of commercialization or patenting or he'll like have an idea and start working on it put it in the corner and you know finish his ac stuff or his world wireless you know his big project Mm -hmm. you know like i find it completely believable that he had a hand or did something with these things and we just didn't know so So why don't we learn about tesla at school you know i think it's a cultural thing right for whatever reason going forward and it probably has to do with the fact that tesla i mean we only find out these things later on for people who care to look right i mean westinghouse and edison got a lot of credit for stuff he did you know i can't remember the name off the top of my head the guy that did radio you know he got that even though he stole it and ended up being proven in court that he or borrowed you know the technology right infringed so i i think that has a lot to do with it because edison 
if, even if you take those things away, Edison had a lot of inventions, legitimate inventions of his own, and oh, he yeah. was very, very uh, keen to commercialization and making money. He is an American hero, right? Like a, yeah. the, he is the quintessential bicentennial man, uh, you know, know everything, polymath, like whatever you want to call it. I can't think of the more common term at the moment for some reason, but Renaissance man, you know what I mean? Like he knew all all things, self-taught, did all this stuff, did a lot of things. So he's a big figure and he kind of overshadowed Tesla because of that, I think. I think everybody overshadowed Tesla because he didn't put himself out in the open. No, you're absolutely right. But, uh, but we should definitely be learning about him in school. We should, I think. And I actually did a report on Tesla in junior high. That's yeah. really interesting. interesting. But uh, I, I've always really loved Tesla. There's a lot of fun stories about him. But, uh, you know, so like I said, I honestly think that, uh, you know, the stuff that he get he doesn't get credit for and his tendency to not think about that kind of stuff, I think uh, it's honestly more likely to be true than not. I mean, at least four of those ideas that were talked about, the cosmic rays and, and artificial radiation and stuff, uh, were invented sometimes decades later. Uh, and resulted in Nobel Prizes. You know what I mean? At yeah. least four of them had Nobel Prizes. And on top of that, the radio thing had Nobel Prize. Like, so that's five potentially, at least one, potentially five Nobel, P- or not Peace Prize, Nobel Prizes in physics that he was screwed out of. Because that's his life, right? Yeah. As much as he's done, as much success as he has, I couldn't even imagine how much success he could have if he didn't constantly get screwed over by literally all of life. Yeah, but, uh, it's kind of a hard road. Every time something good happens, there's something crappy that follows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Nikola Tesla, legacy. Nikola Tesla, yeah, that's kind of, uh, that brings us kind of the end of his life. Nikola Tesla died in a two-room suite, alone, poor, mostly forgotten, room 3327 on the 33rd floor of the New Yorker Hotel, both divisible by three, if you remember that issue that he has, mm-hmm. uh, just down the road from Penn Station, Madison Square Garden. And his ashes were placed in a Tesla ball-shaped urn. You know those Tesla balls, little balls with electricity, and you put your fingers on them? Oh, yeah. yeah. Shaped cool. like that. So that's in the Nikola Tesla Museum. In uh, He is in the museum? His ashes are in a urn shaped like a Tesla ball in the that museum. That is so weird to have someone's ashes in it. It's in Serbia, so. Huh. Well, I guess we're not going to go visit that, <laughs> then. Nope, nope. But, you know, he lived to be nearly 87 years old, late 1800s to early... Uh, to mid 1900s he traveled all over europe and the u.s he traveled more at the turn of the century with steamships and no airplanes than you or i have probably combined and i've traveled a lot like that's pretty crazy yeah so he had 278 patents across 26 countries uh, and those are just the ones he actually applied for can't even imagine what he'd have if he actually you know applied for all of them I mean, he shaped and and developed numerous industries and technologies. Kind of just a, a rundown. So he improved the loudspeaker for the the scent telephone. He did rotating magnetic field, uh, complete alternating current induction motor, hydroelectric generator system at Niagara Falls, the Tesla coil, wireless radio, neon, and other fluorescent lights, vacuum tubes, wireless lighting, principles of radar, bladeless turbines. Uh, remote control weaponry and boats and submarines, the basis for robotics, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, designs for a vertical takeoff and landing airplane, a particle beam, uh, standing waves. Like, I mean, it's a quite a it's list. It's a list. It's a crazy list. 
Uh, Tesla was a man ahead of his time, and in some cases nearly half a century, or even a whole century. His ideas often seemed irrational, maybe even delusional at the time to those around him, and yet he made so many of them work. And it really makes you wonder how much more we have to discover, how much more he might have been right about that we still today think is, you know, Looney Tunes. Uh, when working on his world wireless system, he made a prediction. He said that someday an inexpensive receiver no bigger than a watch would allow people to listen anywhere on land or sea to a speech delivered or music played in some other place, however distant. And now we have cell phones. And here we are, 100 years later. We walk around with smartphones in our pockets, listen to the world music downloaded from the internet or direct streaming concerts and important events from literally everywhere around the world. Except for at our house because the internet Except sucks. for at our house. <laughs> but, uh, but all that, what's, you know, what does the average person remember Tesla for? Kind of like what you're saying. Why don't we learn about him more in school, right? Yeah. What, what did you know coming into this? Um, honestly, I knew that he created Tesla coils, but mm-hmm. I didn't even know what Tesla coils were for. Exactly. Tesla coils. It's a pop culture icon, is really what it is. It's the well, basis. Because they look cool. Yeah, it. I mean, that's what I mean. It's 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 kind of a cultural thing. It's it's the basis of. Uh, that's the other thing. The basis of imaginative ideas for things he might have thought about instead of all the wonderful, uh, innovation he brought us. Right. We see him in movies like The Prestige, uh, which centers on the competition between two magicians trying to get you know fame and fortune and outdo each other. Uh, but if you want to hear more about that, you'll have to listen to the St. Paul Filmcast here in the next week or two, where I will be guesting, and possibly you as well, to talk about Tesla and the Prestige. That was a pretty good rule. Yeah. And the guy has, like, the two eyes that are different colors and all that stuff. Yeah, I can't remember the thing, like, that uh, Huskies are known for. Yeah. I was trying to remember, um, Tesla, Tesla, David Bowie, that's right. David Bowie plays Tesla in that movie. Is that I had David to look Bowie? It, up. it is, yeah. Interesting. Crazy, right? I've seen it a million times and I had no idea. Yeah. So real quick, other items of interest I'm not going to actually get into, but you're going to be like, oh man, I want to talk about that. So he did a peace ray, uh, also known as a death ray. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sweet. Handheld particle accelerator that could destroy 100 planes at 250 miles or create an impenetrable barrier, right? So that we're not going to talk about sounds that. sounds Looney Tunes. Uh, the Tesla stolen papers, all of his stuff after he died. Sounds interesting, right? That does sound Not going to talk about that. Why not? Uh, talking with aliens. What? He was talking with aliens or he was trying to was talk he? to aliens? Maybe. I don't know. We're not going to talk about it. Uh, murdered by Nazis. I'm murdered by Nazis. His connection with Ayn Rand and Atlas Shrugged. I don't know who Ayn Rand is. What? You've never heard of Atlas Shrugged? No. Well, I mean, it sounds familiar, but oh, I don't... Oh, it's a pretty it's, famous book. I've, I, I, feel like, book. I feel like we need to take a break while you go get some culture. <laughs> uh, suppression of free energy harp suppression suppression of free energy as in there's free energy and we're going to not give that to you yeah not free mm-hmm. anymore suck a fish yep. uh, harp stolen Nobel Peace Prizes these all sounds like amazing things don't they like they we should do. talk about them mm-hmm. why aren't we talking we're not going to talk them. about them because if you want to hear more about those items you'll have to follow up with into the portal podcast where next week i'll be guest uh talking about some of the conspiracy theories and these less realistic ideas from tesla and his stolen papers and all that stuff so well that sounds really interesting i might have to listen in you definitely should 
So maybe you'll learn some. Maybe you'll learn something. Yeah. Get cultured. <laughs> Get some culture. But uh, for now, we're going to leave it at that. Nikola Tesla, inventor, innovator, futurist, child of the storm. I thought you were going to say child of the stars. I don't know why. Nope. Nope. Child of the storm. You got to say it like that. All right, that's all for this week. Thanks for joining us. And we'll have another awesome episode for you that's not Tesla-related. No part four of two parts. Uh, So, yeah, make sure you check it out. And, uh, yeah, have a good one. Bye. Good night, everyone. Well, that was some awesome stuff there. But uh, so one last time, a reminder to check out the upcoming episodes of Into the Portal, where I will be talking with Amber and Andrew about some of the more crazy Tesla items and topics. And be sure to also check out St. Paul Filmcast podcast, where myself and Nick uh, and possibly Carrie will be talking about awesome movie like The Prestige. Well, specifically, we'll be talking about The Prestige, which features uh, Nikola Tesla. Uh, Oh, and lastly... Just so I don't get a million emails about special relativity, there is actually more to it than what I said uh, in the conversation with Carrie. I was just kind of trying to do a high-level overview with Carrie, so to not detract too much from the conversation on Tesla, but to make the physicists peeps, physics peeps, the physics-inclined peeps, the physics-liker peeps, whatever you want to call yourselves, uh, happy. Special relativity specifically deals with objects that are traveling really, really fast, uh, speeds that Newtonian physics has a hard time working with. It requires that the the inertial frames are non-accelerating, which my examples met, but I did not explicitly say. Uh, It also states that the speed of light is constant. So that's kind of where you get into the really weird stuff. Uh, So we all know that uh, the speed of something uh, multiplied by the time it takes to get there will give you the distance it traveled, right? But light travels at a constant speed and the speed never changes so the speed in the equation can't change for the same measured thing which means time and distance have to so when you're looking at something occurring in your own reference point and you measure the time and distance you'll get a different answer from someone that's standing on a different reference point that's moving relative to you and both of these answers are right This is where your time dilation and your length contraction stuff come from. Uh, But that's really a conversation for a different time. But uh, if you want to chat more or give me any ideas or feedback or whatever, you can email me at chris at dashofscience.com or check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash dashofscience. You can follow me on Twitter at physicistchris. That's P-H-Y-S-I-C-I-S-T-C-H-R-I-S because somebody asked me how to spell it. Uh, And occasionally I stream the podcast and other things on Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash physicistchris. Uh, And we have a Discord channel as well, which you can find the link for that at any of the sites listed previously. So come on over and chat with us. Uh, Lastly, please make sure you subscribe to our podcast anywhere you get your pods. And if you feel up for it, uh, leave us a review. It's really, it's a great way to help podcasts. So not just me, but any other podcasts that you listen to, leave them a review. They'll greatly appreciate it. Uh, But you all have a wonderful rest of your week. And remember, as always, live, learn, build.
A Dash of Science is written and produced by Five Hertz Labs in association with Dammit Chippy Productions. The show's theme song, A Dash of Science, was written and produced by Ghost Tube Productions.